This is TechHive's Clockwise podcast, episode four for the week of July 29th, 2013. Clockwise, four guests, four topics, 30 minutes. Welcome to Clockwise, the podcast that's always on time. I'm Dan Morin, and I'm joined, as always, by my lovely and talented co-host, Jason Snell. Hi, Dan. Hi, Jason. Who else have we got on the show here today? I'm sure you're wondering. I, I'm I'm very curious. I know I know that you're I know that you're wondering. Um, well, to uh, my studio right, <laughs> uh, uh, John Phillips, editor in chief of TechHive and PC World. That's he has a two very complicated brands. title. He's <laughs> two one brands for the price of one. With many titles. One guy, two brands. Hey, everyone. Welcome, John. Thanks for being here. Thank you. And uh, sitting next to me is TechHive's own Armando Rodriguez, the man who knows everything about everything Android. Hi, Armando. Hey, Jason. What's up? Thanks for, thanks for coming in on short notice. I appreciate it. Yeah, you just came over to my desk. Do, do, uh, do people ever call you Armandroid? Uh, can we start? Can we make this a thing? That Ooh, begins now. I like okay. that. Armandroid, please. Yeah. I feel like that. I think someone called me that like two years ago or something. And I was like, okay. All right, whatever. When we get it a, won't yeah. stick. When we get a second Armando, you're Armandroid. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> That'll be a good way to differentiate. So yeah. for those of you who are not familiar with Clockwise, which might include some of our guests. um we basically each of us all, all each each of us have uh, brought a technology topic that we think is worth discussing today but in the interest of not wasting your time uh, what we do on this show is every topic gets about 5 minutes and we shoot to keep the episode as a whole to 30 minutes and because well because i say so uh, I'm going to go first. Wow. And <laughs> yes sir. <laughs> today, today we'll see how it goes. Uh, and then the action will move clockwise. Hey, that's the name of the podcast. That's what a coincidence. Ah. Huh. Um so I'll, I'll start out today, which is uh my I want to know from you guys. I've seen a lot of news in the past few weeks that deal specifically with sort of rumors about stuff developing in the TV space or products in the case of like Google Chromecast. Um, that are changing the way that we watch television or watch video um, in terms of in our living rooms. And, and obviously, this has been a hotly contested arena for quite some time now. But I feel like the we're getting closer and closer to a critical mass where something might actually change. And I was curious to know your thoughts on that and whether you think we're actually approaching some sort of inflection point for living room-based technology or whether this is just one of those occasional waves and then it's going to die back out again. So... Uh, that's my question, John. I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you lead off there. Uh, Chromecast is definitely an interesting product, but I think we're on a slow uphill ride to to that major disruption that you're talking about. I don't think Chromecast is is uh, is it necessarily. Uh, you know, a big part of it is, you know, we're we're techies. We're we're into this stuff. Uh, we're exactly the kind of people who ordered Chromecast the moment it uh, it went live on on play. Um, and now it's sold out. But, you know, uh, the, the vast majority of Americans and Western civilization, they're still going to be defaulting to their cable and satellite providers. Um, so, you know, this is a niche product right now. But, you know, it, it's a slow it's a slow movement. So I would say no. Categorically, no. 
Oh, wow. Well, that's that a definitive bold. answer. Bold answer. I, I, Jason, I would you what, care to hedge? Yeah, sure. Why not? I, I What I'm going to do is change the question into something slightly different. That's my approach to this one, which is I don't think the technology is the problem here. I think that we could have spectacular TV technology that would transform the way we watch TV and the way TV is distributed. The issue here are the contracts among the big money companies that are trying to keep what they've got in because they're afraid of what will come next. So I think the problem here is not that the technology world can't rethink television. I think the problem is that cable companies and and uh, content providers and cable channels all are locked in this contractual agreement to that's the lifeblood of their business, which is the money that flows from the, the subscriber of cable or satellite to the cable or satellite company to the channels that are getting paid per user, some small piece, plus their commercial load – than to the studios that are creating the entertainment. And that's a tough thing because you can't just break part of it. You kind of have to break all of it. And I don't see that even some even a company like Apple that actually has decent clout with the entertainment industry, finding a way to crack the TV business, which is so integrated from top to bottom, uh, that's the problem. It's been the problem. It continues to be the problem. And every technology thing we're going to have is just going to be a hack on top of that until somehow the dam bursts. And I don't know how that's going to be. Well, right now, it seems like it's falling apart. I mean, Time Warner just dropped CBS last night from its channel lineup. It completely got rid of it, effective midnight last night. And so it's sort of falling apart, and we're sort of cracking already. And I think the Chromecast and those sorts of devices are just pushing things apart. In, in They're just accelerating the rate that everything's breaking. Yeah, it, it's, it's an accrual of all these different things. But I think Jason is right. It's you know It all comes down to money and where the contracts are. And Chromecast, if we're just going to take that one specific product, is not the catalyst to to tear apart that system. Maybe Netflix is though, because they're with their original programming, they're they they got nominated for so many Emmys over right. The so House then, of Cards then, then you're short circuit. You're using tech, but you're really short circuiting the delivery process of the of, right. of the well, content from the studios, not short circuiting the box. In your it's house. it's the dan- and it is the Danvers and apt analogy. I mean, it's kind of like that old story from the the boy with in the finger in the dike. It's always that. It's great. It's great talking about that story because it's always always such a such a rich vein. Um, but eventually, there's going to be all these cracks in all these other places, right? And you're going to be left with someone who's kind of holding up this one chunk of it while everything else is falling down around them. And I didn't mean to suggest necessarily that the Chromecast is the straw that broke the camel's back, if, if you will. But it's one in a long line of things. You know, we've seen some rumors about Apple TV features that are coming in terms of like automatic configuration to make things easier. You know, we've seen Armando brings up a great point with Netflix. You know, Netflix is kind of encroaching from another side. So I think we're seeing the TV, the traditional TV networks, they're getting squeezed a lot more. They're being forced to react to what other people are doing. That's why there are apps for Fios and Comcast that let you stream stuff on demand. You know, I think they're they're feeling pressure. They're not yet at the point where they're, you know, going to be decimated. We haven't seen something like the iTunes store did for music where it just, you know, made this huge splash and they were unable to cope against it because in part the TV networks have seen that example and they don't want to go down that road. But if they don't change what they're doing sooner or later, they're going to not have much left to hold on to in my in my mind. All right. So having said that, um, we'll move on to our next topic, which comes from John Phillips. All right. Uh, RelayRides.com. So this company just announced that uh, – so here's the deal. You bring your car to SFO. You uh, go right past long-term parking. Instead, you go to Relay, Relay Rides parking lot, leave your car, and they will let you park for free. And when you come back, they'll even give you – you'll come back to a car wash. But the 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 hitch is – 
They're going to rent your car while you're gone. They're going to rent your car, and they're not going to give you money for that rental. So uh, my, my question to the group is, has the sharing economy jumped the shark? Would you leave your car at the airport for someone else to drive around for three or four days just for the, for the pleasure of parking for free? Well, I think, you know, one thing that happens in the tech industry is everybody's looking for a place where there's inefficiency. And the fact is that people renting cars while there are all these cars parked in parking lots, I totally get the pitch, right? Which is like, but these cars are sitting right there. Why are you renting these cars? There's inefficiency here. The problem is in the details, right? It's, it's, is somebody stinking up my car? Is my car going to be clean afterward? Are they going to wreck my car? What's the insurance like? All of those things. People, there's this, you know, tendency to view how people treat rental cars, which is poorly? Is there a penalty for these people if they misbehave? How, how are these guys going to cover me? So I, I'm hesitant to do it. I kind of like the idea in some ways, but I kind of feel like the solution is probably more like uh, people will gradually have fewer cars that they own themselves and there's more car sharing that goes on. More things like Zipcar that lead to, you know, that you won't even rent a car when you go somewhere. You'll just take a shuttle somewhere and then you'll get the car when you need to. So I don't know if this one works only because people like their own stuff and they want to keep it for themselves. But I kind of like the idea at least that they're trying this and that if they could make it safe enough and, and make sure that the people who are renting from them have to take good care of it or they get a huge penalty and there's good insurance and they make sure it's clean if they can make the experience decent, um, that's that's pretty good. It is a little weird that you don't get any money for it, that you just get free parking and a free shuttle. Maybe that's the hitch is that I, I want to be compensated more for, for risking my car. And the car wash. And the car wash. <laughs> sure. Well, they got to wash the car. I hope Hopefully clean it inside and out too. I'll answer your first question. Uh, no, I wouldn't leave my car because A, I don't have a car. Um, <laughs> but would but, you? If you did, would you? Sure. And I'm surprised actually. Would you leave you, your bike? Yes, <laughs> because other people can use my bike. Sure. Um, but I'm surprised you use this as the – the sort of that you're holding this up as the thing. Of, well, it just happened. You, well, uh, this was just it's a new oh, thing. this was just this just happened. I'm surprised that you're using this though as the example of like the sharing economy gone wild when there's something more ridiculous like the app that lets you sell your leftovers. <laughs> <laughs> wow, is that a real thing? That, is that yeah, a real? I heard that, that on the a, radio. Is that a real thing? It's a real oh, thing. Oh my god! Um, and so that t- to me that says more like uh, maybe this bubble is ready to burst more than like sharing the car thing makes more sense because it, it gets rid of uh, it gets sort of additional cars that would be on the, on the road and you're you know you're saving the environment a little bit although it does suck that you're not getting paid but it it makes some sense at least more than selling leftovers using an app uh, would has I anyone let, actually bought a leftover from the app I'm or is this just to. an idea I I have no idea I think it's specifically your neighbors though is it like yeah i think it's specifically okay. targeted toward like you know you well you got you got to have pie. your network of friends it's <laughs> like you you buy leftovers from your twitter friends you know that makes perfect sense would i let someone use my car hell no <laughs> and that's because <laughs> i'm selfish um but mainly because you know i bought a new car last year it's like no i'm not letting i barely let other people drive my car who i know i would never let a stranger drive my car i understand the idea behind it but it's also like i'm waiting for it to jump the shark with the here's a new service where uh i take a bite of a cupcake and then you can also <laughs> have a bite of the same cupcake uh, for a low I, fee yeah for a low fee and potentially you know diseases you're disrupting um, the so, cupcake market yeah, I, I I don't know. I I mean, I would rather see an in, you know inclination to get people to use public transit over over renting people's cars out, and especially an SFO, which I think is actually fairly well served as far as transit goes. Um, it, it's but I, I guess the uh, the Bay Area is is a is a pioneer 
in these kinds of sharing ideas. Now, I do use Zipcar when I'm in San Francisco or other places and I don't have my car. I do wish they would allow to you to rent a car and then leave it somewhere else. Like right now, you have to take it back to where you got it from. You don't have that one-way option. So I can't get a Zipcar in San Francisco and drive it to the airport because there's you know nobody <laughs> nobody to take it back but it seems like there's probably people who would rent a zip car if they could then take it back to the city so that to me makes more sense than something like this but i'm sure there are people who will do it i've got an idea for the relay rides people they should um they should not pay you they can't do that but when you get back in your car maybe there could be like a half-eaten muffin or a half-eaten donut we'll put those <laughs> oh, together that's, uh, that's sweet of them and they you, you know they leave that behind and 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 that's your moment also that's i don't even want to th- i don't even want to think about the insurance costs for this <laughs> that's how you get it, ants. It, it is insured it's for people who don't love their cars and probably for people yeah. who who don't have manual transmissions the idea of someone grinding through my gears oh, yeah yeah, yeah. So i also drive a stick so that would that would be bad I'm, yeah. i would be surprised they even let you rent out a, a they do Oh I just God. checked. There are two. There are two manuals, and they're both Porsches. <laughs> Wait a second. I'm I'm rethinking this idea. So if you're a, wow. if you're a cons, if you're a consumer and want to rent a car, maybe this is the place to go. Wow. Okay. My topic is about. Uh, we we posted a review of the Lumia 1020, which was written by some guy. Hey, I don't know who that is. I think it might have been Armando. Rodriguez Armando Armandroid. You were trying to do the that air quotes for a bit and you I was trying to remember what your nickname was, and I already have forgotten. Wow, <laughs> how, it's, it's so not easy though. Yeah. Um, Lumia t- ten twenty, fantastic camera, point and shoot level camera. It's not an SLR, but it's point and shoot, way better than other camera phones. And this is my question: the saying goes that the best camera is the one that you have with you. I get that, but. Should people buy a phone because of the camera? How important is the camera to the phone? I, I'm confused now because the Lumia is sort of last year's phone with a really awesome camera on it. And so I, and I'm of two minds about this. Part of me says, you know, maybe the camera is the most important thing on your phone. It doesn't matter if it's a year old. The, cam- the phone technology has advanced so much that being a year slower isn't that big a deal, but having a crappy camera is a big deal. The other part of me says, you know what? The cameras on these phones are already pretty good, and I really don't think it, it matters in the grand scheme of things if it's somewhere between good and great because it's good enough. I'm curious what you guys think, and I'll start with the man himself who wrote this article, the guy whose nickname I can't remember. It's Armando <laughs> that we just gave him. Yeah. Yeah, you just gave me a nickname. It's sort of like when phones first, when cell phones first came out, the big thing was call quality because everyone used them to make calls, and now no one uses them to make calls. It's more of how many people are still using their phones to take photos, and how many people really need um, a forty-one megapixel camera to take photos in their regular everyday life. It's not going to show up anywhere because honestly, uploading a photo that big over a cellular connection is terrible. And if you're just going to wait until you get home on Wi-Fi, why don't you just have a regular camera to do the same thing um it's other than that it's with you other right? than it's, it's with one you all thing the time. in your pocket and yeah. in some in some ways i'm more of the mind that hey the iphone camera or the galaxy s4 camera or any of those other regular not 41 megapixel cameras are good enough for what you're doing most of the time and the to the point of older hardware uh processing those photos takes longer because it's older hardware because you're processing uh-huh. giant images on a dual core processor so yeah well, I, I don't know if the camera is a the reason people go out to buy things. I think it's, it can be a differentiator if you're really trying to con, you know consider between two different smartphones and one of them has a really awesome camera. But at the same time, you know the the Lumia also runs Windows Phone, right? So you know that that's 
that's a, a substantial question for people like, well, do I really am I going to abandon, say, you know, if I'm coming from Android or iOS, am I going to abandon my buy into that platform just to get a better camera? Because, you know, as Armando is saying, why not just get a better camera camera? Um, so I think it's an it's an interesting attempt. And it's certainly they've done some really impressive stuff. I've, I, I saw a uh, Andy Anako, who's a, a writes for us occasionally on TechHive. Um, is had one and I happened to see it the other day and it's, it takes beautiful, impressive photos, but at the same time, you know, that's only part of what the smartphone does. And I think people are still buying smartphones because of the whole package rather than just one feature or the other, because they like the software or they like the apps that they can get. Um, so I, I don't think that the camera is necessarily going to make or break this for, for Nokia, but at the moment it is something that they can say, Hey, look, we've got this best thing until someone else comes along with an even better, better camera. Now, John almost fell off his chair when Armando <laughs> said that nobody makes phone calls with phones anymore. Well, I, I, I text more than I call, true, but, but call quality is, is still pretty important. I, I think this, the Lumia uh, 1020, it's, it's really fighting to be the best Windows phone out there, and that's about it. Uh, you know, w- when I'm going to the store making my smartphone decision, it's coming down to operating system first, and then I'm looking at what my options are. So... Um, you know, the camera's nice. It's not going to compel me. I don't think it's really going to compel any um, platform agnostic uh, smartphone buyer to over to the 1020 camp. Uh, you know, especially in this day and age of Instagram and Vine. And, and we, when we look at what we're really using our smartphone cameras for, it's not about high-end art photography. So I think you're right, Armando. Our, our Mandroid. Uh, <laughs> 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 you know, if I want a really high-quality well photo, I'm going to get... A real camera. I need my smartphone camera to to open quickly and to, and to give me that shot within seconds. And, and if I'm right, there's a there's a hard uh, there's a hard button on the phone to activate the camera. Right. 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 It's there. So maybe that's the the, the best part of the whole uh, Lumia camera experience, not the multi megapixels. I'm not entirely convinced that the right direction here is not to make a phone that's a camera, but to make a point-and-shoot camera with a phone OS that's connected via Wi-Fi or that, that, that you can tether to, or maybe has a data plan, but it's like a tablet data plan. It's just data. I'm not sure... So the Samsung they, Galaxy camera? Yeah. I'm not <laughs> sure convergence this far is necessary. And the other thing I'd say about it uh, to wrap up this topic is if you're going to if you're going to care this much about pictures, you're still getting point-and-shoot shots. So it's not that much better. It may be better than your phone. But if you really, really care, you should get an SLR or, or a Micro Four Thirds or some other dedicated camera that will get you way better shots than even the Lumia will. So that's my take on it. Uh, and I believe that means that it's Armando's turn. It is my turn. And so the Nexus 7 was just announced last Thursday. Uh, it's a substantial upgrade over its predecessor. It's got a new body. It's got a better screen, amazingly better screen. And so my question I'd like to ask the group is, is Google finally getting serious about Android tablets? And should Apple be worried? I've... Oh, I'm sorry. I think I think I get to go first this time. You do. Yeah. This time. I was I was chomping at the bit at that point. <laughs> I understand. I understand. But you'll have your turn in a moment. Uh, I um I I don't think that Apple should necessarily be worried. I mean, I, again, in the same way that we were talking about this with the Lumia, I don't think that necessarily 
a seven inch tablet. The, the Nexus Seven, I, I agree, the, the new one looks pretty pretty spiffy. I, I'm not sure that people who have iOS devices and are in that ecosystem are going to run out and buy one just because it has you know these improvements. That said, I think there's a lot more choice in that marketplace now, and I do say that anytime you increase the options, especially when they're competitive options like this, and, and Google is clearly trying to be competitive about it, um, that that's always good because it keeps everybody hungry, it keeps everybody trying to develop and come up with better technologies. Um, I think the big thing that's still holding Android back on the tablet is that the lack of tablet-optimized apps in the Android ecosystem. Um, Because I think that's one place where Apple has really made a hard push in trying to get people to build apps for the iPad. And of course, they've also had the advantage of being, you know, having people work on that for three years now. So they have a lot of a head start there. Um, So I don't know that Apple should be worried about this, but it's certainly something to say, keep them honest and keep them, you know, working on something and, and not just resting on their laurels. And from that perspective, I certainly think that's good. John, you can go now. Uh, yeah, I, I, I sort of um, refute the point that a, that Google is now serious about Android tablets. I think they proved they were really serious with the first Nexus 7. I think this is a great update, uh, but to some degree, it's still incremental. Yes, the screen's a lot better. I think in large part, we're going to see 7-inch tablets in general have 19 uh, by... 1900 by um, what's what's the 1920 by 1200 by 1200 uh, specs. So uh, it's it's incremental. It's still a great tablet. It's a better tablet. I think uh, one of the things that we're going to see too is it's going to turn on more and more people to Android tablets in general. So it'll have a halo effect on the rest of the Android tablet industry. Should Apple be concerned? No. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> uh, I was going to say Apple's Apple's dominance in tablets is still so shocking that there's a lot there's a lot of land to be lost by Apple. But I'm not sure worried is what I would is what I would say. I do think that this is a good product. Um, I bought the original Nexus Seven and it was okay. It was a nice piece of hardware. It was a little bit pokey and has gotten pokier as time has gone on. Um, this screen on this new model is really nice. I think having the standard on the seven inch tablet be this high def screen um, what Apple folks would call retina is uh, is great because it's a really good experience that said there are some software issues there aren't that many tablet apps although it's getting better and now there's a tablet optimized view in the Play Store which is really good because I guess they couldn't have done that earlier because there wouldn't have been much in it but um, but software is still an issue tablet software there's still a lot of stuff that looks like a big phone app that runs on these tablets and it's not it's not quite good enough um, I, I think it's interesting in that if Apple doesn't manage to come out with a Retina version of the iPad Mini, that um, people will start to talk about Apple kind of missing the boat on the on on the smaller tablet side. That said, I have an iPad Mini and I really like the screen size, and the, the Nexus Seven feels a little too small to me. It, it, it I do wonder the smaller you get with these tablets, if it gets to be almost more of a tweener kind of device where it's 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 kind of a tablet and kind of a big phone and and I'm not sure whether in the long run people are going to want that or if in addition to their smartphone they're going to want something a little bit bigger. I don't know. I mean, then again if you're buying it for your kid, getting a cheap tablet, cheap small tablet might be the way to go. Do, do you think that Apple 
won't come out with a, a Retina iPad Mini? I mean, at this point, shouldn't prices be dropping for? There for were rumors these that they wouldn't drop. They wouldn't release one this year. But well, I mean, this pushes it. Keep it won't it won't push it because at this at this late date, it's already yeah, set. It, yeah. it's, whatever decision they've on, made, it's been done. This year so, aside, yeah. This I think they will. I think they absolutely will. I think that they are trying. Sure. Keep in mind that Google happen. and Google and Apple have very different approaches, right? Google is there's no way Google is making money off a two hundred and thirty dollar tablet. Um, because the hardware margins have got to be super slim. Apple really wants to make some money off their hardware, and so I don't think they can do that right now with the prices where they are. <laughs> Apple's already when next year rolls around, <laughs> Apple's sure. already getting slammed for its reduced margins that are largely due to the iPad Mini having lower right. margins than Apple is used to. But they've got to do it. The question is when. And and we saw with the iPad three that going Retina means more battery and hotter. And since Apple has pr- prided itself on you know keeping those things as thin and light as possible. That's the trade-off with the mini. Is if they go Retina, do they have to make it bigger? Do they have to make it thicker? Because they, they, you know, I'm sure they would hate to do that. Uh, that said, it would certainly be, certainly be a great product. I, I do miss the Retina when I use the well, iPad. Well, Asus mini. did it, so Apple should be able to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sure. Let's Our, say yes. <laughs> let's say yes. All right. Now uh, we're going to move on to our bonus question, which is the the fifth question on Clockwise, a question that's not related, at least directly to Tech Talk. And we'll, we, uh, we wrap up the show with this. And here is my question for all of you gentlemen. 3D movies. I basically avoid them if at all possible. My wife and I were talking about going to a movie last night. I said, hey, we go see The Wolverine. And, and she said, all right, we could do that. When's the plan? I said, 7.30, but it's in 3D. And she's like, yeah, forget it. Let's <laughs> just stay in. We'll watch a movie on TV instead. Uh, so... I'm avoiding 3D movies most of the time. If I can help it, I don't watch a 3D movie. How about you? Where 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 uh, where do you sit on this, Armando? I think your wife was more worried about watching The Wolverine than actually. No, watching she was the open 3D. to it, and she was actually open to <laughs> Who it until love Wolverine. I re- <laughs> 3D pushed it right over the edge, and I was like, no, not if it's 3D. I don't go out of my way to avoid watching 3D movies. I mean, I saw The Avengers in 3D at uh, the theater. Um, but I mean, I don't actively seek it out either. It's just, oh, it's, it's at this time and I have free time to go watch a movie. I'm going to go watch a movie in 3d. I I don't have that problem that a lot of people do where, um, you know, 3d gives them headache and all that other stuff. I know it affects uh, my girlfriend a lot. She doesn't, she refuses to watch anything in 3d. She refuses to get a 3ds because of it too. So, um, I don't, I don't know. The 3d fad seems like it's kind of going away and I really hope it does because I don't want to pay $10 more for a movie just to have it be blurry for one person and perfectly fine for me yeah i I think it can't go away fast enough i actually do (laughs) go out of my way to try and avoid it as much as possible i did end up seeing uh pacific rim in 3d imax because they were not doing it in 2d imax um and i well it was fine i didn't and i didn't feel like with so many other movies it was like totally gimmicky i did feel like it kind of decreased my the scope of it for me in some ways i don't know if something with the glasses it just felt like framed in a weird way and it just like this this might have been more impressive in 2d so I, I'm happy for that to go back the way of smell vision and whatever else that they uh, have dreamt up in these days. <laughs> uh, I have no interest in 3D movies, never had, probably never will. I think for me, a big part of it is the kinds of movies that come out in 3D. You know, I mean, aren't half of them kids' movies? It's a lot of animated and yeah. a lot of action. There's a lot of, all yeah, the blockbusters. Yeah. Like Avatar was yeah. only 3D. Right, Avatar might be the one 3D movie I really enjoyed. Uh, yeah, uh, no interest in 3D movies. They can't go away quick enough. Hugo was pretty good. That's, you know, hey, Martin, Scor- Martin oh, Scorsese. Right. What I mean, if you he knows how to direct movie. movies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But most of these, like Star Trek, I watched Star Trek Into Darkness in 2D and in 3D, and the 3D was 
com- completely uninteresting with the exception of maybe the new like when the ship jumps to warp there's like a whizzy 3D kind of rainbowy mm. thing but I mean for Pete's sake and, it was sh- and it's a conversion that's the worst part is a lot of these movies aren't even shot in 3D right. they're well, most faked of them into 3D it's expensive and so that's that's lame. Well, I, I I'm some of some of you don't like like it, and some of you just don't like paying the extra tax for like it. Extra. Uh, and, and well, and your girlfriend hates it, and she does. She's a saint to watch these movies without the glasses on. Let me mm-hmm. tell you, because they're all weird and fuzzy. Yep. Okay, well, we've decided <laughs> it. That's the jury. The jury has ruled we're unanimous. 3D movies are bad. And with that, I think we've come to the end of this clockwise, Dan. I think we have. Uh, I want to thank John Phillips for for joining us. Thanks, John. Thank you. And Armando, our mandroid. Thank Rodriguez. you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. I don't think that's catching on, though. It's definitely not <laughs> catching on. No, wait. Just, just you wait. It'll be like 3D movies. Yeah. So until next time, from all of us here at the Clockwise Podcast, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye.